Hey everyone, welcome to episode six of Dr. Dad's Clinical Pearls. I'm Dr. Karen Hanna, one of the co-hosts, but the really the main one is Dr. David Hanna. So today we are going to talk to you guys about an anterior cervical. Now, I know some of you might have been told those don't exist, um, or we didn't really learn a whole lot of them about school or in school. They are a little bit different, but they're super important and they're I would say they're a little bit more common than most people think. So uh, let's just start with what an anterior cervical is, how you find it, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. I know it's another general one, but it's a good start. It, it, it is a very general one. Okay. Um, maybe before you, you sort of think of how to find it is you know, what sort of things may in fact actually present to have caused it. Uh, what I had found clinically was anyone that has had um, an episode of a whiplash injury or a sports injury or anything of that nature, or you happen to see someone that has um, a postural distortion where they have an anterior head carriage or forward head carriage, but associated with um, head rotation might imply that they have this uh, shortening or contracture of the anterior scalenes on that one side. It is usually one-sided. Um, and again, it's attributable to some kind of motor vehicle accident. You also might find that someone with the, the uh, clinical differential of an anterior scalenous syndrome um, they have almost like a TOS, uh, sclerotogenous referral down the front of the neck or across the shoulder or even into their extremity. So this might be someone that you think has TOS, but yet you can't find the, the classic source of it, meaning it's not a clavicle issue, it's not a first rib issue, um, but you know, you're, you're thinking there's still the TOS but it isn't really uh, related to the, the tests that you would normally do for the vascular component. And so you, you can be a little bit of a loss. So the way I would find it is normally when we do our motion palpation or if we're doing our joint play assessment, you challenge the, the, the joints from P to A. And so what you do is with your motion palpation or your, you know, your accessory motion, fluid motion, you do it say in a rotational component. But if you actually just take the patient and you reach in front uh, of the articular pillar, maybe not as far as the TVP, although you could you know, sort of grasp hold of that. And you, you rotate them um, in an A to P direction. So if, for example, I was motioning the left side, uh, P to A, I would be doing say C4 on C5 and I would have their turn their head to the right. But if I wanted to see if they had any restriction or loss of motion in an anterior to posterior direction, I would be palpating the left side and I would be bringing it anterior to posterior, but I would have them doing left rotation. So it's a little bit backwards to, well, it is backwards or opposite to what you would do on a PDOA challenge. And so then what you find is there is in fact um, a loss of motion and most of the time with an anterior cervical, it's C5 on six. 
Um, can be four on five, but the C5 on six is definitely the most common. That kind of. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's good. So um, would you find now that people have more technology and they have cell phones and they're constantly looking down, do you find this a lot more with the younger generation now because they're in that flexed position or it's typically also involves um, that shearing force of being hit, like like you said, like a, an auto accident or a sports injury. Um, like uh, offhand, going back, I said no. Uh, I, I don't think it's postural per se. Although you know, for someone to have a bilateral anterior, such as what you would describe with, say, sitting on an iPad or with a mobile phone or something, you know. They got their cells and they're they're looking funny or something like that. Uh, I think it's more associated with an injury of some kind. Okay. Um, so that's why it's unilateral. Uh, anyone who has the anterior or forward head carriage, um, they probably have problems in the, the biomechanics elsewhere in the body, not necessarily just at C5. Um, so I, 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 what I found anyway is that it's more likely just unilateral. Got it. So um, do you find that it has any connection to the handedness that they are? Um, no. Like if they're, or no, it's just, it uh, is what it is. It would be, it was some kind of, uh, like I said, probably some kind of trauma of some kind. Um, yeah. If you notice any handedness, it's not usually in the anterior part of the neck. pulling from the back um do you also find so once you have it what do you um what do patients usually come in talking about like how do they describe this anterior cervical like what pain are they describing does it usually associate what you said about the you know sclerotodrus referral down the arm when it's not the clavicle or the first rib but um, do they have headaches? Do they have trouble swallowing? Um, do they feel like they have a lump in their throat? Like what else would you kind of lead you to believe like, oh, maybe this is an anterior cervical that I have never uh, adjusted before? No, I don't, I don't normally see those kinds of symptoms as far as swallowing or, uh, you know, headaches per se. Uh, they usually complain sometimes of, you know, a fullness that might be on the lateral or slightly anterior part of the neck. Um, it's not in the front, so it's not affecting swallowing per se, but they, they just say that when they turn their head, they feel a, a tightness, but it's more anterior than it is in the back. Um, but more often than not, like I said, is they have a complaint of the shoulder, shoulder complaint, um, you know, down through the clavicle into the anterior part. So more, more of the extremity and not, not the neck. Gotcha. And, um, do you also find that it's a little bit more mm, noticeable on their, you know, on the neck? Do you notice a protrusion or anything like that? Or like the muscles look tighter in one spot? Um, anything like that, that you've noticed before? I think they might have, you know, when you look at it, if you're doing a postural assessment, they, they might have a slight rotation, say, to the left if it's on the right-hand side, mm-hmm. or, you know, slightly to the, to the right if it's more problematic on the left. Um, they may also have some decreased motion in terms of lateral flexion. 
but it, it's just a slight um, head rotation. They really don't have uh, any problem with flexion. They might have uh, some restriction with extension. So for example, if you have them extend um, and you want them to go straight back, if they have tightness in the anterior scalene, um, when they go to uh, look back, it may pull it to the same side. Mm. So extension would involve the unilateral rotation to the same side of involvement. And that's only because of the contracture perhaps, or the biomechanical restrictions, not allowing the, uh, the, the vertebrae to separate. Gotcha, makes sense. So how would you adjust it? Obviously, I, I can't even think of a class that um, we were actually taught, well, one, what an anterior cervical was, um, but how to adjust it. I only know how to adjust it because you taught me. Yeah, the, um, what surprises a lot of people is, yes, you can get decent audibles on it. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost like you were doing the, the sitting, sorry, 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 the supine cervical adjustment, but you are doing it in reverse. Um, so with an index contact, what I normally do is, and it's very painful and very pain sensitive, so it has to be a finesse move. It's like a karate uh, chop to the neck. <laughs> yeah. But basically what you're doing is it's an index contact on the anterior transverse and even sliding down into the anterior articular pillar area. And what you would do is you laterally flex to the same side, but rotating it to the same side as well. So for example, when you do ipsilateral lateral flexion, um, the, the body rotates into that side, as does um, the same side as lateral flexion. So when you are laterally flexing to the right, say, the body is trying to rotate into the right as well. And because it's slightly anterior, it can't. So it becomes very prominent and it's easy to fix, hook your finger on it. And so then you, you're gonna continue that motion and the thrust is basically A to P. But it also has to be I to S because it has to go up the uh, joints of Lushka. It has to go up the uh, facets. Um, and so it's, a, it's basically A to P and I to S with lateral flexion. And what kind of, um, I mean, I've had this done. I, actually, I don't think I've ever had an anterior cervical. Well, maybe. But I know when adjusting it, if you do it wrong, it feels like you're choking or like you're jabbing them straight in their throat. Yeah. Um, so what is the best way to like make sure, you know, your tissue pull is enough and you're not necessarily, you know, going right at that esophagus? Um, just, go, yeah. just go more lateral so that you're more onto the TVP mm -hmm. uh, and just keep the contact fairly light. And would you, is this one of those adjustments? So when we were talking about migraines, you had said you definitely, definitely want to, uh, what's that? It's, a, it's definitely a finesse move. Yeah. But, um, how many times would you say, you know what, this just isn't moving today? Like, would you okay. be sure? Yeah. If I was trying to adjust that on a patient. Uh-huh. Um, I would try it once or twice. That's it. And that's it. I mean, I know they're very painful. They can be. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes even an activator an activator yeah, yeah. okay um, do uh, you even do some trigger point work on the scaling 
to stretch it a bit so that next time you go to adjust it, it should be easier. It's not so angry at you. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find these are very common at reoccurring because they do have a little bit of a different, um, I guess, loss of function, like the, you know, is a normal, like it's a pattern. Um, do you find these are that frequent or once you they, find it yeah. in a patient? It, it's a good rule of thumb. And actually that made me think of something else. Okay. If you have a patient that constantly has C5, mm-hmm. okay, you're going to see that in CBP and, and you're going to see that, you know, in some of the other techniques because flexion extension occurs predominantly through C5. Um, well, flexion. So you're going to see people that, you know, have issues with this motion of flexion extension, having problems in C5 and or 6. They're going to be really chronic. You also might find that you have patients that have more advanced arthritic changes or stenosis there. Um, but there are also going to be people that if you are trying to do a P2A correction um, on C5 and it's there all the time, and the patient says, you know, like, I'm doing a little bit better, but not. What you could consider is the anteriority on the other side. So in fact, they could have um, an anterior C5 on the right side, say, for a chronic posterior left C5. So you need to sort of look at your notes and what you've been doing on a patient. Uh, If they're not stabilizing and they have that constant C5 left, Mm-hmm. You might check the A to P motion on the C, C5 on the right side. Now, would you typically find, um, you know, more of an upper cervical with them or again, like an occiput or anything no. along those lines because of a flexion or no extensions or anything like that? It's just typically you see a chronic C5 that's just not resolving. Right. Yeah, I would say. They certainly could have a corresponding C2 and an occiput, but for anterior scanning, it's almost like, no, just C5, just addressing that. Um, Do you find that there's also um, any other like organ issues or anything with somebody like uh, like the thyroid or something for females or anything, because it's all in that general area. Do you find that's a correlation or it's just kind of not? I personally haven't, okay. um, but, you know, like I said, more associated with that problem is the TOS symptoms. Okay. So definitely to me, TOS is a red flag when you see, you know, someone that has that symptomatology more mm-hmm. so than I would with thyroid or sore throats or things like that. Do you also find then that this is more common um, to have a first rib, even though, like you said, it's not, it's, you've checked the first rib, you've checked the clavicle, but do you find that those two typically, um, are together or not? It's just really an anterior C5. Yeah. I would say if I'm having that issue and it hasn't changed, it's the anterior five. Gotcha. Now, would you, um, do you find that other ones are a little bit more anterior um, that you'd be a little bit more concerned about or really that's just kind of like, nope, this is what I find? It's more so, no, that's what I found. And how'd you find it? Like, how'd you realize uh, that there was 
and actually like, oh, this is not a posterior, like this um, is... I think it was, I mean, it was probably in my first four or five years of practice, uh, having someone who had all of the symptoms that I just described. She had been in a motor vehicle accident. She had, you know, sclerotitis referral down her, onto her chest and her, her arm. Um, and had just said, you know, my, my neck was sore and it was more sore in the front. And I don't know if there was, I was just either motioning and just trying to take her through, you know, challenging PDOA and I was rotating or something, I can't remember, but there was, you know, there was a release. And she goes, oh, that feels much better. So I'm like, oh, what is this? So then I started to check it. So it was almost like, oh, okay. An aha moment. Aha. Um, do you also so then I started looking at that and I found it a lot. Yeah. Um, how many patients would you say? Um, how common is it? Like, would you say like one out of ten? Do you find it at least once a week, once a month? Um, I would say it's even more rare than that. Um maybe one in a hundred could have it. Um, one in fifty, you know, maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that I have, I don't actively check it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually just based off a of history. So, um, you know, if they're not clearing, they've had a whiplash uh, injury. Yeah. More so if they're not clearing. Okay. Um, now do you find as far as on a radiograph that their curve starts to reverse if they have this and it's been unchecked? Um, because it, it is a little bit more anterior or that's not something that you'd be worried about? Well, worried perhaps isn't a word that I think, yeah, but not it, word. Um, it's primarily a segmental issue. It's not a, 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 a regional. Cool, cool. Okay. Well, yeah, the regional would be, you know, if they're starting to have the curve, but it, it's more for lack of anything. And it, it's almost the development of an anterior listhesis, you know, um, so there could be some manifestation on the lateral curve that it's starting to appear to be a anterolisthesis. Um, but that I think would be very, very unusual. There could be a, a, a flattening of the, uh, say a cervical spine, the curve. Like a military neck? A little bit. Okay. A good choice might be someone with military could very well have it. Okay. Um, personally, I haven't correlated that but it's possible do you also find that um, they're more susceptible to having the cervical disc or just because of the way the anterior so because it's anterior and they're having that sclerotogenous referral that it typically might involve more of the disc than it would if it was a posterior one yeah because it's it's with it going anterior it's wedging more in the posterior aspect because it has to ride up as well. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. So. Um, would this also be one, um, for example, a patient comes in and they've had injections in their neck um, and they're just not getting any better. Would that be something that you would more, that you'd also see? It's like, you know, I've had these injections. Um, they worked for something or my low back or whatever, but just this one spot in my neck, nothing seems to work. 
would that be another kind of like, oh, hey, maybe it's not in the back of your neck? Uh, very much so. Um, I do think that we're seeing probably more now than I ever saw years ago uh, for people getting injections into the facet joints, uh, in particular the neck. Um, you know, I just had a patient this past week that reported that she was going to go because her MD wanted her to have uh, basically both sides from C2 down to C6. So she was going to have like eight injections into the facets. I'm like, you know, I don't think that's a good idea, but I understand, you know, your your willingness to to follow through, but it's like, it's going to help the pain, but it's not going to help the problem. Is that kind of on the same lines as like the nerve ablations? Yes. Ugh. That typically it could thoughts. be. That's a little bit more permanent, but you mm-hmm. know. So like the, the ones that people are like, well, I had this nerve down, you know, they burned all the nerves, but I still have this pain. Right. Because they never addressed the problem. But this, this more of the facet is the, card- the cortisone injections you know, into the facet joints. Um, would you, what, go ahead. No, that can give some relief, mm-hmm. but it, no, it doesn't change the problem. Now, if you do have those chronic patients because they're willing to do anything, um, how long would you wait after those injections or after the cervical ablation to, or the nerve ablation to, try again or like just to try differently Hmm. because obviously those are going to cause some inflammation in the neck you don't necessarily want a false positive with what you're feeling because you have to do a month or two i would say okay you know just a lot of normal healing time depending on the patient's age Mm -hmm. so if they're 30 or 40 you know give them three four weeks um, and, and what would, so this kind of goes back they, to the, they generally would be apprehensive, you know? Well, yeah. Um, and this kind of goes back to, I think this was the same conversation that we had or a little bit with the server for headaches. Um, would this be something that you'd be concerned about for potential more of a, uh, to cause a stroke just because the way it's rotated or in the way that the direction of the force or does it kind of totally bypass that carotid artery um what's the i guess what's that caution in there that you know because it is a different direction um and your your hands are positioned slightly different what's that concern I mean, you shouldn't be pushing on the carotids I would think that's uh, yeah <laughs> I've heard some pretty crazy stories um Certainly on the anterior scalings and on the SCM. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any, you know, um, there should not be any concern with regards to strokes um, mm-hmm. of that nature. Because there's um, not really a whole lot of extra, or there's not a whole lot of rotation anyway. No. And you're not on the, you know, vertebral artery per se. You're on the carotid area. Mm-hmm or in the anterior aspect. So the vertebral artery is, is definitely more interior. Well, no, I guess you would, you would still would, but no. It, it it's not a concern. 
No, there's a girl. Because you know you're living posterior to there. Do you also find that um, gender makes a difference? You know, more male or female or? In practice, when I think of it, I probably sound more female. Um, and the reason for that, um, years ago when I had looked at some of the implications with the uh, uh, Arthur Croft's work and the whiplash and low impact, or low, low speed uh, impact uh, stuff that he did from California. Uh, basically had said that women are, you know, up to five times more likely to sustain some kind of soft tissue um, from motor vehicle accidents as compared to men. And what it has to do with that is, is the body structure and or the, the body mass of the muscles. And so therefore, you know, if it's a whiplash injury and, and if women are more likely to sustain longer lasting problems, then that may account for why I, I had seen it more in female because they all had, both the male and female had had car accidents or a whiplash injury, but the women manifested more with the, the, the syndrome. Interesting. I did not know that. So I mean, Granted, I see more women in practice anyway, because typically yeah. men are just, they don't like to go and admit they have problems and you know how that goes. But um, I mean, not implying that that's you, but that's typically how most men uh, are. Is, yeah, they just don't like to come and they send their wives in first and they try it all. Um, yeah, yeah, no. Um, anything else that you can think of for the anterior cervical that we didn't talk about or, um, you know, that people well, didn't necessarily know? One last little pearl. Not really. It's something that, you know, people could just check it, see what they find, see if they can uh, see where there might be some restrictions, see if it correlates with some symptoms and uh, try it. Yeah. Let us know. Um, so if you haven't already posted um, in any of our social media or anything, comment below. We do read these so we can see and interact with you. Um, so I'd be interested to see, you know, if you've never done it, if you've never checked it before, and then you're finding some of these um, and the results that you're getting, that's kind of what we're going for with this. So if you haven't found one and then you listen to this and you find one in practice, I want to hear it. Um, or if you're still having issues, how to adjust it, same thing too. So that's what this is for. Yeah, it's, it's not an easy adjustment to do. Mm -mm. And it does involve a lot of IS too. I feel like the first time I did it, I choked you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I think I like stabbed you in the neck. I was like, oh, that's not right. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you donated your body to science a lot. I <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that is all we have for uh, episode six. We will see you guys next week.